when you hear Mark Z, I hope you don't think of Mark Zuckerberg, but you think of the original Mark Z, my guest today on the BCP podcast. He is a political commentator and a fellow podcaster and economist. And unlike other folks who just studied economics, he has worked in that field in commodities, commodities trading, helping people know where to put their money and what to do it. An expert in precious metals in geopolitics and geoeconomics. And this is not like a guy in Washington or interstate capitals or Eurocrats over in Brussels. Most people can't manage one or two businesses. How about a man that had 10, 15 of them with employees, logistics, a man who knows business, economics, and politics, a man who knows precious metals, a man who is delving every single day in the research of what's going on because he does this for a living. Just hit, fairly recently, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Strap in. We're going to have a great conversation with the original Mark Z. Mark is an expert in many fields. And we're going to talk about what's coming down. Not No fear here. Just be prepared for two things, two eventualities that we are facing. What are they? What is going to lead to these two things happening? And more importantly, what can you do to prepare and not live in fear? Mark's insights are so vital. Roger Stone and Lou Dobbs check in to see what Mark Z has to say. So let's hit the introduction and then let's get right into this great conversation with the original Mark Z. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, so here we are with Mark Z, the original Mark Z. And oh, older than Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, the, uh, yes, that's right, uh, older than Zuckerberg, the, the original one, not the... Uh, not the guy throwing around zuck bucks to uh, to affect and uh, help rig uh, elections. Uh, they're not too happy in Wisconsin with the uh, with the new uh, Marxy. Mark is an expert, folks. I want you to know. Does tons of research. Has a great show. Congratulations, Mark, on hitting a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. Uh, Hard earned. Uh, I know, and uh, great show, and. We here at the BCP family, uh, here on the BCP podcast, we look a lot 
at what's going on here in the U.S., but we are not blind that there are lots of geopolitical things happening. And there's a lot of disruptive things that are happening that we get sucked into, whether it's Ukraine or it's China, it's the, it's the China Sea, it's Taiwan, it's the Middle East, it's Iran, Hamas. There are some things, uh, there's some things bubbling under the surface that affects our monetary well-being, that affects our stability. Can you give us uh, an idea of what's going on out there that maybe not all of us are paying attention to? Yeah, where do I even start? Because there are so many things going on. And boy, could they use a, a great excuse for those that uh, follow politics, what's going on in the world. 34 trillion U.S. unfunded puts us over 100, uh, over 100 uh, trillion dollars when you look at 70 trillion that's still left out there for Social Security we have to meet, which is kind of a crock because we were never supposed to borrow from it. It was supposed to be uh, self-funding, uh, but it isn't. Uh, I believe that was Bush Sr. was the first to uh, borrow from that, but I'd have to go back. It's, it's It's been a minute or two. So I'm following the geopolitical. You're following the politics, and they are so part of the world banking side on this one. From uh, much of what we're watching now uh, with BRICS, we're watching the what we call the Global South. I know it's not really accurate, um, <clears throat> just because Russia's not in the South. Last time I checked. Uh, the weather's cold and nasty. Uh, so we're following what all these politics mean, and is this yet another banker's war? We're following the cycles, the super cycles um, of the reason why, you know, what led up to World War I, what led up to World War II, what's leading up to today, uh, what led up to the crash of the British pound when it used to be the dominant currency in the world, what led to uh, the crash of... Uh, Spain's currency with, you know, that then handed off. I mean, you just go through history and look at all these geopolitical events and the banking events that go with them. And what do you expect? What do you, what do you do? What do you prepare? Yeah. So for instance, the dollar, let's, let's <clears throat> talk about the, the dollar. That's something that we're all concerned with, right? Because we've bought into the fiat currency. I mean, it is, but with something that, you know, we have to buy into, uh, we're not current, uh, not that barter systems don't exist, but they're, uh, right now they're not very efficient. Let's just say that, uh, you know, we, we, we get paid in dollars. We have our savings in dollars. Uh, even when, if someone invests in foreign currencies or crypto, it's pegged, you know, the value to the dollar. Let's talk about the dollar and where it's going in light of everything else that's going on. Fill us in on what, uh, uh, on our blind spots. Uh, biggest thing is, what backs the value of the U.S. dollar? It's a fiat. For those that have never paid attention to the difference between fiat or the difference between money and currency, money is required to have a store of value. So what's that store of value? Well, we inflate it away. So arguably, you could make the argument that U.S. dollar is not money. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know you can go spend it. Uh, but have you noticed how many more you have to spend now than you did two years ago, three years ago? Uh, you know, we've seen just crazy devaluation of our money, uh, which is, has been painful for many. Petrodollar has been what has supported the U.S. dollar since 1971, August 15th, when uh, Nixon took us off a of gold standard. Even then, it was only a fractional gold standard. It was not 100%, hey, we've got, you know, if we have 100 billion in circulation, we have 100 billion in gold. That's not true. Uh, even when they uh, originally created, it was only 35%. So you would have had... If you would have printed, say, say you had uh, 35 billion in gold, they would have printed $100 billion. 
just to keep the math simple, though, though that isn't the exact math of it. And now we have nothing to peg it to. There's been no other alternative. And now we've seen the rise of BRICS and we accelerated. This is not something I was looking for until about the 1930s. Excuse me, the 2030. Woo, I'm going to mess everybody up on dates. But we're watching the acceleration of the destruction of the U.S. petrodollar. Question is, what do we peg it to? Now, I'm going to have to go back to the early 2000s. I was working in the gold fields in uh, Mali in Africa with a partner we, uh, we had invested. And we kept being approached by sovereign buyers. In other words, our buyers would be like, you know, for an example, like a Bank of Japan, a Bank of England, uh, you know, the U.S. Treasury, things like that. And a great conversation, and I am not going to mention uh, which Asian uh, country, wasn't China, dropped a little piece on me that I just was not ready for. Even with my background, school, business, all those things I was not prepared for. They were purchasing and buying and starting the process because they said sometime in the early 2020s, <clears throat> we would see a shift to gold-backed asset-backed currency around the world. The plan was already in place. So they had started that process. They didn't know when. They knew that the earliest we would see it would be the mid-2010s, but they were expecting it sometime in the 2020s. And I was like, wait a minute. So I started doing a lot of mental math and paying attention. And that's exactly where we're headed. We even saw uh, the uh, Dutch National uh, Central Bank say, hey, we're preparing for a new gold standard. We're now watching that over and over and over. Um, we're watching uh, Pozar. We're watching some of the greatest economic minds of our time telling us that our entire financial world is getting ready to change. So we've got kind of a war of two resets going on now. We have Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, the Western banking world that is pushing very hard for your digital central uh, CBDC that uh, so that they can control, you'll own nothing, but you're gonna be really happy owning nothing. Uh, besides those bugs taste great with some A1. Uh, so we've got that competition going on and I find myself, how do I put that one? Now suddenly all these countries that I grew up thinking with are bad, 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 bad people are now economically more sound than the country I grew up thinking was the absolute greatest thing uh, ever in the entire world. And I still, I still believe that the American people are the greatest period. The constitution is greatest. I just uh, have a disagreement with uh, some of our leadership uh, of late. So which one wins? Does common sense win or do we uh, descend into an authoritarian uh, hellhole? Uh, you're watching it. It's a, uh, it's a designed implosion so that when it's all over, they own everything. Yeah. Now, you know, traditionally we think of BRICS, right? So we think of Brazil, Russia, India, China, but we're seeing that that alliance is way more than BRICS. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Should we be concerned yeah. about that? No, absolutely. Uh, does that mean the end of how things operate for you and me or for the average American? Uh, there's such a disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street now that I, I'm definitely not trying to fear monger. 
We could see problems in global supply chains to make certain that you you plant a garden, um, do a little prepping. Uh, I'm not saying go crazy, don't live in fear, but if you're worried about these things, prep a little, then you don't have to live in fear. Maybe stack a little silver if you can afford to. Uh, Anything you can think people might want just to be prepared. We know that these cycles happen every so often and occasionally they will happen. Like we see when it comes to super cycles, you'll have a war super cycle, you'll have economic cycles or super cycles and you have commodity cycles. Uh, Commodity cycles, last time we saw one or last roughly 2010, 88, they're starting to come sooner and sooner and sooner. We used to see a commodity cycle, it would take 50, 60, 70, sometimes 100 years. And then it started taking 30, 40 years. And uh, this last one, I mean, we're 11 or 12 years out of the cycle and we're already seeing the commodity run again. And that's what happens when you live on borrowed money that doesn't really exist in an artificial, uh, it's just like when you feed your kids Red Bull and cotton candy. They got a heck of a lot of energy, but somebody has to crash. This super cycle scares me because we're watching a super cycle coming out of, you know, we have World War I, World War II. We're watching the slow walk into a global world war. At the same time, we are seeing an economic cycle come to an end, super cycle. So it's it's just a particularly uh, unsettling time. Doesn't mean it's gonna go south, just means if you follow history and cycles, it could very well go off the rails. Yeah, you, you have the, the, the economies of the world and we're more integrated, right? So what uh, in the past, not the recent past, but in the far past, we could be somewhat isolated from events in other places. But now with the interdependency, uh, just just think that the, the basic things like, for instance, pharmaceuticals, we are overly dependent on pharmaceuticals out of China. And then we lost our energy independence, right? That's been a long time. We gained it back for just a little bit under Trump. But once again, we're energy uh, dependent. So all of these things that sometimes we're not paying attention to because they are happening in the Middle East or they're happening in Europe and we think we're isolated from them can have uh, an impact. So let's talk the uh, central bank digital currencies. What is that? Now, our audience is familiar with that, but we do have a lot of new people listening. What is the central bank digital currency? Why are they pushing it? And why should we be concerned about this being a way of control? A lot of people haven't really, I mean, you think at CBDC, oh, this is bad. They're going to control it. We're going to have a social credit score. Um, a lot of people automatically consider a central bank digital currency a crypto, and it, that's really not an accurate. I mean, they, they, I mean, we're, we're talking digital and digital and blockchain and blockchain, but there's a very different, a decentralized, nobody can control you. Uh, centralized, like a central bank, they can. Uh, most blockchain or Currencies like, well, they're not really currency. We'll we'll just call them digital asset, uh, for lack of a better term. They have a fixed supply. You can't go and change a central bank digital currency. They can create it out of air or take it away. Uh, At a whim, bam, you're gone. And it's a control thing. And, And that's probably the scariest thing. But what they're attempting to do is their own treasuries will get rid of their banking systems. Why do you need a bank if they control your CBDC? If you haven't behaved, if you voted for Trump, you're not even allowed to uh, spend but so much money for for your groceries. Uh, you're not going to be approved for a loan because they can control every one of those things with CBDC. For me, they're terrifying. Uh, yeah, I just flash back to you know Orwell. Uh, whenever I think about a central bank digital currency, the, the sad thing is they don't have 
to be that. If somebody created a central bank digital currency that was 100% asset controlled and it was transparent, the whole world would change overnight, just like that. If you suddenly had agnostic money that doesn't care anything, let law enforcement do what they're going to do, let law enforcement police it, but we have weaponized our banking system. We have penalized countries because we don't like the way they operate. And this is what's led to the death of the U.S. dollar. Everybody's trying to find an alternative. And it gave rise to the uh, to BRICS in the global south, which is we can worry about it or we can just recognize history and take advantage of it. And that's what I try to prepare people for. Be prepared. Uh, if you're looking for currencies that are going to do well, find countries that have a lot of commodities that are undervalued in their currency. Don't try to find ones that have uh, uh, like the U.S. where we haven't backed anything yet and uh, have fought it tooth and nail and we print it willy nilly. Uh, you know, that's a that that's and, you know, historically nations last about 250 years and the U.S. is it that 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 just was it that that spot in life, that crossroads where we either have to reinvent ourselves and be a phoenix or we're going to be on the ash heap of history. And that to me, as you know, somebody that grew up, grew up, uh, you know, in the Reagan era, for the most part, as a young man. You know, my first uh, presidential election, I got to vote for Reagan. Yeah. Love America. Cut me. Uh, I'm going to bleed red, white, and blue. And it's it's a terrifying spot for us when we think about it, what we're leaving our kids right now. So how do we prepare? That's really what I follow. Okay. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, just so everyone understands, the central bank digital currency is a digital way of of a banking system. So we you know, just think of how they're pushing us right now. No one wants to use physical dollars. They want everything to be, you tap this, you, you use your phone, you, you use Zelle, you use Venmo. Everything's digital, except where the central bank is. The central bank of the United States would uh, control that. And because they control that, they can control what you can buy, what you can't buy. And like you said, the loans you can get and what have you. And because they don't even print dollars anymore, they just create zeros and ones in the system. It becomes not pegged to anything. Not to be confused with cryptocurrencies that use a blockchain. Just think of it as a as a ledger, as electronic ledger, uh, to make it easy for folks. But with the uh, with with Bitcoin or Ethereum, and once again, I'm not pushing it or anything. I'm just uh, to be transparent, though. I mean, I do hold Bitcoin, Ethereum, and and other uh, cryptocurrencies. The difference, <laughs> the difference is that. It is a with 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 the cryptocurrencies. It is decentralized, no country or bank, and it's finite. There's going to be a certain amount of Bitcoin, and once they're done mining it, and don't worry about how it's mined. It's actually kind of genius how how it's mined. But once they once they reach that number, they're not going to create any more Bitcoin. Unlike a central banking digital currency, where they'll just put more zeros and ones, and let's say there's a trillion uh, dollars digital dollars. Oh, now there's two trillion. And so they can inflate uh, and deflate uh, at will and control the populace. So uh, I, I think I think that's very, uh, very important that we understand that this is part of the control that Klaus and all of the global leaders are always talking about, that you will own nothing and be happy. You won't own anything because you won't be able to get a loan for a home. The interest rates will be high. And, you know, your social credits, uh, you voted for Trump or you retweeted Trump because the FBI is looking at everybody who retweeted Trump. Uh, you're no longer you. You have wrong think, total total Orwellian, right? This is Orwellian. Wrong think, therefore uh, you can't get a loan, but you can rent and you'll be happy because you know Netflix 
and uh and 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 amazon prime you can watch everything you want on there and uh you know it reminds me of that episode of um a black mirror i've only seen three episodes but i saw that one famous episode i think it's one of the most famous episodes where everyone's controlled and watch you watch on television there's one guy who wants to fight against the system and they actually created a show for him to have people have their outlet against the government weekly on a tv show so they're even controlling the revolution it's a, a it's we, we do that now we call it rhinos all he needs to do is turn his rant into another show for the streaming services turn outrage into cash this is going to be controversial because uh, my, my favorite still it used to be the most valuable currency in the world until the U.S. Uh, went in there and played politics and set Saddam Hussein up for a wall. Uh, and, and we do it over and over. And I know it is controversial, but I am a big fan of the Iraqi dinar. And I know that you, you will find a million different articles uh, poo-pooing it. You'll find plenty that are there. Uh, if you do the math on the resources, what they've done, then remind yourself that Warren Buffett bought a crap ton of it and said, this is a great long-term investment. Donald Trump bought a ton of it. The U.S. Treasury holds trillions of it because they must think it's a pretty good. So I've just learned, don't, don't buck the smartest people in the financial world. Just, uh, just pay attention to what they're doing. And right now they're buying silver, gold, uh, <clears throat> global south currencies. That's what they're doing. I'm not going to try to rethink what they're, uh, what they're doing. I'm just going to say, hey, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I think I'm going to try a little bit of that. Because I can tell you what most people do doesn't work. I mean, there are a number of other currencies that I like uh, from, you know, based on their mineral resources. You know, I hate that Afghanistan doesn't have a stable economy uh, because they are sitting on some just phenomenal uh, natural resources. Uh, 14, every time we turn around 14 trillion in gold, this Uganda suddenly discovers more and more uh, mineral wealth. Uh, Congo, Central African, and both the, the, the Western CIFA and the CIFA, uh, I, I, I think both of, but those are long-term. Most of these are very long-term. If I had to pick one that has the potential based on the government, the World Trade Organization, I'm going to say Iraq. If I have to pick some of my favorite long-term plays, I'm going to pick the uh, Central, Central, or the CFAs, or CIFAs, we call them when we're in Africa working. Uh, just you look at the mineral resources there, and they are obscene. They are so obscene that uh, China is trying to take advantage of them with their belts and roads initiatives and uh, other ways. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word slavery, but uh, financial slavery. Yeah, let's uh, let's say let's say economic enslavement and making them uh, beholden to China. Now. For instance, this whole push for EVs and for electronics and what have you, those all use precious resources and minerals that we don't have uh, in abundance to satisfy our uh, uh, our consumers. And those things are coming from those regions of the world. And now, I, I, which I find interesting. I mean, you look at disruptive technologies around the world, either they come in and they disrupt things or whoever found them disappears you know, vapor carburetors, you know, we've all heard the stories then, you know, uh, and suddenly they disappear, uh, those folks, or they just uh, suddenly have a mansion in the mountains and go stay in their mountain and, and drop it. You know, they got paid off. And we watch these type things over and over. And we look at, uh, you know, China just announced basically a nuclear battery. It's not radioactive, uh, but it's for a cell phone, a three volt battery that lasts for 50 years. 
it's going to be marketable before, you know, early 2025. You know, you'll pick up your cell phone at last. They're working on a one watt version. Those type technologies could completely throw that 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 off the uh, rails. But we'll wait and see if that happens. But no, you do. You look at a lot of those uh, countries and, and you look at what China's doing. They're, they're heavy in Iraq, northern uh, in the uh, Kurdish region. So is uh, Russia. These countries, they're investing in the African countries. Russia's heavy in mining in Africa. China's heavy in uh, mining in uh, Africa. Uh, South America, you're seeing the same thing. Uh, you have a better chance of running to, running into somebody in Venezuela that speaks Russia than you do in the U.S. that speaks uh, Russian. It's you know, you're watching it. These people are playing you know a hundred year game, and here in the U.S., if we're thinking long term, we may be playing a two or four year game. We're playing tic tac toe, and they're playing chess. Yeah, yeah that, that that that's that's been one of the downfalls of our politicians, right? This very very uh, myopic. They're just looking at short term. Whereas, I mean, just think about China. China doesn't talk about years or 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 siglos or dec. Uh, excuse me, or centuries. They talk about dynasties. You know, they they, they talk talk about a long uh, a long term view. They've been playing the U.S. for instance, our real estate markets and slowly buying strategic real estate throughout the United States. Uh, that buzz came in the eighties. Uh, you know, maybe because like where you grew up and you said uh, you came of age in, in the Reagan, I'm more of a 90s kid, um, you know, but uh, the, you started here in the late 80s and 90s. I became aware of, oh, you know, China sure is buying a lot of stuff. Then all of a sudden you didn't hear about it because, you know, they bought Clinton off, you know, uh, meeting little little, little uh, clandestine meetings on tarmacs. Uh, people don't understand how good the Clintons are at having tar tarmac oh, meetings uh, for, for exchanging cash from China. Is not just you know uh, the whole Loretta Lynch thing, um, but uh, you know China's been buying off our politicians, playing that long game, you know, looking for to pay off people and get people uh, like Hunter Biden to play short term with them because you know they're just thinking, oh, how can I make money for me and my family for the next five or 10, 15 years? And China's playing, no, they're playing a long game. Uh, they're playing no, short games fifty years. Excuse me, they're short games fifty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the definition is uh is is even different. All right. So if we have a disruptive event, Mark, you're 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 looking when, when we have a disruptive event. Yes, yes, yes. History, history has told us we always have one. The question is, is when? When? Okay. Uh, you're you're looking you're looking at the globe. All right. Obviously, we're not going to hold it uh, hold you to this. Uh, that goes without saying. But what are some of the possible disruptive events that? you foresee could happen? What are some possibilities? Hey, your, your most logical is, for, for those that follow history, um, this period in time reminds me very much of World War I, where every country is making the next logical step, and it led to a world war. Um, world War II wasn't quite as predictable. It was a little more unpredictable. World War I was very predictable. Country does this, well, my ally has to do this. Somebody does that, this, we have to have that response. And we were watching this like in the Middle East right now, we were watching it in the Ukraine. I mean, uh, when we kept pushing the Ukraine to go into NATO, to go to NATO, Russia responded exactly how they should. They were suddenly worried about, am I gonna be able to get to a Southern port? They didn't have a Southern port without, once the, the Soviet Union uh, uh, fell apart, they needed Crimea for a Southern port. It just made sense because otherwise our northern ports are uh, blocked part of the year. So just for global trade, they needed it. 
World War II, you had Japan needing fuel. The U.S. was uh, consuming it. They didn't have access to it. And so we're watching that, that logical slow walk. So Russia had to do something. It, just like the U.S., guys, if China and Russia had come in and put nuclear arms and ballistic missiles in Tijuana, we'd have been upset. If they would have come into Niagara Falls in Canada and put nuclear arm, that you know, uh, whatever their coalition is, we'd have had to do something. So it's that logical step. And then we go to the Middle East and we're seeing those same logical steps. Uh, we have, you know, an Islamic country based on beliefs has to come to defense. Once we uh, once we saw the Israeli in the U.S., of course, everything uh, everything uh, Jewish or Israeli Israel we gotta we gotta protect Israel. We've been trained that way. If you go to church. Uh, you grew up that way. So everything became the next logical step. Uh, and we're, we're quite literally on the, on the brink of what could turn into a global war. And you're going to take that at the same time where all of our economies are broke. Uh, central banks are losing money. I mean, we're going to our second year in a row. And it was the first one last year. Switzerland Central Bank posted a loss, uh, and it was like, I, I forget what it was, somewhere between one and three billion, and this time it's 20 or 30 billion. So we're, we're watching the implosion of our finances, and there's nothing better for your finances than a great war. So, I mean, the time is perfect. I mean, you're watching all the geopolitical coming coming to fruition with the economics of it, and it's a little, it's a little scary. Yeah, you know, we, we, we've been, uh, I think we've been training our generation to realize that wars seem to be cure-alls for bad economies and other things. You know, they propagandize us to uh, coalesce behind a certain cause, whether it's just or not. Uh, you know, we see, we see that happen in, uh, in Germany. Uh, people for, you know, we, 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 we hammered Germany with war reparations. The, the Deutsche Mark was uh, completely... Uh, inflated, and it gave rise to uh, Hitler. And of course, the people who fund wars funded both sides of that conflict. Uh, same thing with the Bolshevik Revolution, what, whatever we see. And it seems like we're ripe for that. We've got uh, China. Oh, no, when you brought up the Bolshevik Revolution, I mean, you brought up a great point, because this is that, that's also one of the things when you look at potential scary things, you look at those necessary revolutions that, that progressive, the worker stands up and it has the ability when it happens, unless you have really solid leadership, it has the ability to go off the rails. And that's very much what happened during the Bolshevik Revolution. You had, you know, workers rising up and then it just went completely off the rails. And that's not unsimilar to what we're seeing now with the rise up uh, in Denmark and Germany and France. And, you know, it's coming here because the wealth gap, I mean, the, the haves and the have nots, we are, we're seeing historic levels of a difference in that. And at some point, the working class stands up and, you know, gives them the Elon Musk, you know, you. Uh, <laughs> and that gets concerning because if we have good, strong leadership, a lot of good things come out of it. If we don't, it turns into a lynch mob. And there is nothing pretty about a lynch mob that's gone off the rails. Uh, we saw that in 2020 with uh, George Floyd and, uh, and we saw that starting in 2017, even before that, uh, with Antifa, uh, what what have you. So a disruptive, a, a likely disruptive event would be a, a war, then or wars. Uh, what what else could possibly happen that uh, that we should just be aware of as a possibility as far as massive disruption to our ways to our way of life? 
we've watched the acceleration of debt. We're reaching the point over the next uh, just few years in which uh, we'll be spending more on interest than we have coming in, the more we spend on anything, even more than our defense budget, which is the highest in the world, even per capita. So, I mean, the next one you look for is an economic collapse of the U.S. dollar, which will bring down any country that's not part of that global South, because like you had said before, we've done globalization. We're not isolated. World War I, the U.S., life really didn't change here. People got up. They were still building. Factories were still humming. We weren't getting a lot of natural resources. Uh, anybody that was politically plugged in, well, we did. We had some people go sign up and fly off to World War I to fight uh, with the Allied forces over there. But it wasn't a U.S. thing. Uh, many other countries, if you were in South America, they didn't even notice World War One. What? What was that? Uh, today's world, you can't. There's there's globalization. That means you're not like you had mentioned in uh, China. Uh, majority of our drugs come from China or India or Russia right now for the world. But the biggest one is what 80, 90 percent of all the precursors or the ingredients, the chemicals necessary, come from China. They only come from one place in the world. I mean. You get a global war right now, and with our production capabilities, you're going to have people dying left and right in the streets. Uh, they won't be able to get their uh, heart medicine. They won't be able to get uh, many cases. They won't be able to get insulin. I mean, there's just so many antibiotics gone. Just so many things that they will not uh, be able to get. I mean, then you look at the economic side of it. I mean, how many televisions? Everything's built in the, I mean, is it built in the U.S.? Meaning every piece and step of that. How many cars don't require wiring coming from China, connectors coming from China, microchips coming from China? Uh, we are horribly ill-prepared. So when you look at those other possible disruptive events, you got to pick one. Economics, World War, both. And I think that is probably the one that is most likely is both at the same time. Yeah, it's, a, it's almost a perfect storm. Um of, in, in a negative uh, sense. Yeah, Not, exactly. I, I don't know if there's ever a perfect storm. I guess you can use it in, in, a, in a positive sense. All right. So we, we, you mentioned this briefly, Mark. And, and by the way, so fascinating to have you on our show. I'm so glad uh, you came uh, uh, to join us. Uh, no, you, thank you. I've always been a, a BCP fan. I was absolutely crushed when you suddenly disappeared. Uh, I, I appreciate that. You, you had touched on uh, just you know, what, what people call prepping or what, what, what does it look like? I mean, I, I know people have this idea of, of, of preppers are, you know, someone with, with, with a cat, you know, with, 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 a, with, a, with a concrete bunker uh, that, you know, with the steel door that, that you, that you, ha you hatch it down in and that, uh, you know, they got radiation suits and the iodine pills and, um, you know, and uh, they, they've got an arsenal of arms and, uh, and, and what have you. Uh, and, you know, they're one year plus of, of, uh, of, of, freeze-dried food and whatever, but what can the average person do just to hedge or just prepare, be better prepared against these two disruptive events? Because there, there's, there's short-term and then there's long-term effects of that, right? And so, mm -hmm. so, so give us, just give us some practical ideas that average Americans or not so average Americans paying attention could do just, just to, to, to prepare a little bit better for this, these, uh, not even possible or probable, uh, but we don't know the time, but there these inevitable events that are, that are going to disrupt our way of living. Uh, one, don't, don't, don't get lost in fear. It'll paralyze you. Um, 
common sense, uh, historically, silver still works. Uh, you'll be able to buy it. And I'm not saying, you know, you don't have to go spend a fortune, just something in trade. What will people want? Uh, they might want sugar. Uh, what they're probably, everybody's going to suddenly be scrambling for is going to be seeds so they can grow their own food. Uh, I mean, anywhere from Amazon to eBay to whatever, they'll sell you mylar packs of uh, seeds. I mean, you're ta talking about a whole lot of money. You can spend 20, 30 bucks. But then you have to remember that even radishes, even some of the fastest growing foods, I mean, and if you're totally prepared to plant them day one when it happens, you're still talking 30, 45 days. Uh, most crops up uh, many, many months. So. I did a combination. I've got enough food to last for a few months until the growing cycle hits. Um, some fishing hooks in line. You don't even need a fishing rod. If it gets bad, you got a sinker, you got a hook, uh, dig up a worm, throw it in the local pond, river, uh, catch some fish to eat. And then think. The biggest thing is to think so you don't panic where you're going to go. What happens if the water no longer comes out of your tap? You can go down to Walmart and get a life straw, just one of those you can go and uh, suck from somebody's toilet and not, uh, you know, I mean, that wouldn't be pretty. Don't. But from the local stream or whatever, you just have to think about just some of the basics. Hey, wouldn't it cost somebody maybe a hundred bucks to create uh, a basic survival kit? And then think about it. If you live in a heavy, concentrated area of population, what happens when the grocery stores shut down? They have eight days worth of food. Average in the U.S. Uh, without the supply chain, if the supply chain breaks down, what's going to happen? Hey. People are going to go nuts. They're going to get desperate at some point, just like just just like James would or Mark, you know, Mark or James would. If my family's starving, and I know that fat rich cat up the hill is up there and his lights are working when the uh, when everything else is down and he's eating a, a nice free dried uh, filet mignon, I got to feed myself. Got to feed my kids. Seventy two hours to anarchy. Uh, you let us go uh, uh, hungry and thirsty long enough, and the looting starts. So if you got a thought, how are you going to prepare yourself? Uh, better, better yet, just go hang out with Aunt Sarah out in the country or, you know, uncle, whoever. Uh, just think it through. Uh, don't, don't, don't get caught in fear. And I'm not saying it's going to say happen in our lifetime. If you look at it statistically, whatever, the chance of it happening in our lifetime is excellent. Does that mean it's going to happen tomorrow or next week or even next year or two years from now? No, it doesn't mean that. All right, so uh, we're waiting for the return of Christ. We just don't know, but we know it's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we know we know it's coming. We know it's coming. Uh, you said to so perfect. Uh, don't fear, right? Because fear is paralyzing. So let's let's not fear. Let's you know it's it's just it's a it's a eventuality. We don't know when. We don't know. We don't even know extreme. It could be, it could be something that could be resolved. We've seen little things happen and well, they sure. get resolved. They get resolved fairly quickly. Um, we 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 don't know, but we should have. Uh, more, you know, eight days of, of food as you're saying, uh, is in our local supermarket. Right. Uh, and then that could be even less as you and I have discussed before, if you live in, a, in an urban area where the stores are even smaller, like in New York city or some other, uh, places, it may not even be eight days worth of food they have. Um, so you probably should have some food to just tide you over for, a, a, you know, you, you, what's the, uh, what, what's the old adage, uh, uh, a thousand miles starts with the first step, right? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? So everyone, everyone gets overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, how am I going to have just buy an extra day's worth of food when you go and buy groceries. And then that just, that just starts, that has a compounding effect, right? I think some, sometimes we've, we, we live in this, 
uh, this generation of MTV and TikTok and where we want instant gratification. But it's, something says take time. It's just buy a little extra. Buy a little yeah, extra. Yeah, just a little extra, put a little extra in the pantry, put a little extra. Next thing you know, you have a week or two weeks and then and then you go, okay, make sure, very, very important, make sure you have water because we, we can we can go a lot longer without food than we can water. And then especially if you live in very warm climates or or places where you're going to be precipitating, a, 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 you're going to be, excuse me, perspiring a lot, you know, you're going to be losing, uh, you're going to be losing a lot of, you get dehydrated quicker, uh, depending on what time of year it is as well. Just have water. And then I like basic things like uh, sugar, sugar, um, just, you know, just basic things. And then maybe, just maybe, because things may get a little unsettling, it might be a good idea to have something to make sure that you can protect what's yours. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that one. I mean, don't go. I mean, there's no need to go nuts. You don't need to go down to the local Navy, uh, Army Navy store and buy a uh, decommissioned tank or anything. Uh, but hey, I mean, you'd be crazy not to prepare yourself, even if it's just a, you know, a pellet rifle or a slingshot. So you can go out and uh, get a squirrel or something. And I know this all sounds crazy to most people. Oh, it's never going to happen. It's never happened in my lifetime. Well, you know, uh, I had the privilege of growing up on a farm with a grandfather that survived the great depression. And those times came during his lifetime. And, you know, and I feel blessed that I, you know, had that opportunity because I learned well, what would I do? Uh, but many, because our memories are so short, it's just not the way it worked in our lifetime. Everything's okay. This is how it worked. But historically, that's just not, it's not going to stay that way. Yeah, we, we, we are, we are very comfortable. Um, as we wind down, Mark, I, I do want to share an experience that I had. And I, I probably shared it on the show, but it's probably been a long time. Uh, but several, this is several years ago, I, I accompanied my dad. Uh, he had, um, purchased a car at a dealership and uh, went, went down there and it was, it was a cash purchase or what have you. So it was a pretty, pretty quick transaction. He just wanted me to drive him there so he can pick up the car and drive it home. So I, I, I go there and I knew it was not gonna be long because there was no financing like that he had to take care of. And it was a, a Cadillac uh, Chevrolet dealership. So I'm like, okay, let me just look at uh, some of these cars or what have you. And uh, you know, these, the, the um, make a long story short, the, the salesman comes up and just starts chatting with me. And I go, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not in the market for a car. I'm just here killing time while my dad closes this deal. And, he, and, he, and I see that he drives home and I, I can be on my way. And then I don't know this guy from Adam, young guy. And he starts to tell me, and this is, this is, this is after the 2008, 2009 thing. So it's about 14, 13, 14 years ago. He starts to tell me that, uh, that he just got back to work, that uh, during that whole crash, he was... Um, uh, he he was on the public dole and uh, taking advantage of like first unemployment and then other stuff. And then he told me something, which is really random. Just, I didn't know this guy. I don't know how I came to the conversation. He told me, look, <clears throat> I've got three kids. I've got a wife. And if my kids are hungry and I'm not prepared, this came out of his own mouth. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what possessed him to tell me this. And I mean that quite literally. He said, if I were, uh, if my kids are hungry and I know that my neighbor has food to feed my kids, I will rob my neighbor to feed my kids. And this, th this guy was like, it just, it just was kind of out of the way. He was, he was nicely dressed. You know, it's generally the, the, the sales guys dress nicely, you know, this good looking um, white male in his mid thirties, you know, unassuming. And he was telling me if my kids are hungry and I'm not prepared, 
I will go and shoot my neighbor to feed my kids. A little, uh, a little negative, but food for thought. No, it really is. And that's why I say 72 hours to anarchy. Your best bet is to be prepared, just lay low and sit it out. You know, crazy usually requires more than one participant. Mark, appreciate you being here and talking about all of these things. Where can people find you? Uh, go to YouTube, the original Mark Z. It gets a little difficult over there, though, because I do all my podcasts live. I very, very rarely ever record ones. So you'll actually have to look for live. Uh, only two or three will pop up when you uh, go search. But if you ever want to join, we're live Monday through Friday, uh, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, and then on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern as well. And we do it evening, just a recap of the news. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of world news happening. Sometimes there's not. By the time you hit the evening, most of the uh, cycle now seems to be in the morning. We talk about the geopolitics, the financial side of it, etc. the uh, craziness, uh, uh, the mental gymnastics that it takes to uh, be awake in today's world, uh, which is pretty impressive. And whatever other topic, uh, we'll, we might even end up talking about our favorite muscle cars. Who knows? <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll have a link down below. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, big hug to you and yours, and we look forward to having you back on in not too distant future. I appreciate it, James. You guys take care.